You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream, this is AfterBuzz TV for Ringer. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Ringer news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, it's After Buzz TV for Ringer! Good evening, After Buzzers. How are you doing tonight? Happy Valentine's Day. We are running a little bit behind tonight, but no worries. We've got everything to cover you for. Cover for you in the ultimate betrayal show. Ringer, Season 1, Episode 13. It's easy to cry when there's this much cash involved. And what a great episode tonight was. And we're going to jump right in. It's just me tonight. I am your host, David Skifalitti. Yet again, next week I am going to have a co-host. I swear someone's going to join me eventually. I'm going to reel them in, and you're going to love them, and I'm going to love them, and we're going to deal with it. But let's just jump right in. Tonight, we there wasn't actually a lot that happened, but a lot of things were revealed. Um, if that makes any sense for you, because it makes sense in my brain. Juliet and this epic case of teacher versus student. Um, it's actually been in the news a lot lately about teachers violating students' trusts, and it was just such an interesting thing to see Juliet be a powerhouse in this episode. She really got to shine, and Zoe Deutsch really got to show her acting chops, I think, where she was being super vulnerable, and we see her with Catherine, her mother, and her father, Andrew, and the lawyer going over the case, and she has to get her story straight because it seems like she has she's been having trouble recounting the story and being able to to tell it truthfully and what actually happened and she's told by her lawyers that she needs to make sure that her story is straight otherwise the case is going to go out the window and as we saw from last week excuse me <laughs> I burped just in case you guys were wondering I'm going to call myself out there um Back to what we were talking about. We saw last week a quote-unquote friend from school, Tessa, had come to her and said that she wanted to testify as well because her the teacher Carpenter, whose name first name I can't remember, which is unimportant, um, also violated her trust and, and touched her inappropriately, if you will, and that she was willing to testify as well. Yes, very saucy. Um And so everything's happening. Her mother, Catherine, is not being the nicest, supportive mother in the world. We see them in her bedroom. She's trying to help her decide what to wear and what's appropriate to wear and what's not appropriate to wear. She tells her that 
Versace's too sexy, and Dolce's too saucy, and Marc Jacobs is too flirty, and maybe she should wear Chanel because it's classic, and don't virgins wear Chanel, which is a comment that I don't really understand, but we Lindsay Lohan wore Chanel to her trials, and it seemed to work out well for her, right? <laughs> Yay, Lindsay. Free Lindsay. Um, <laughs> free Lindsay. Uh, she's free. Either way, we're not talking about her tonight. Um, we're talking about Juliet. Um, at the courthouse, everything seems to go well in the case. We don't actually get to see the case. We go to, don't get to see her testimony. But... Tessa and Juliet have a rendezvous in the bathroom, and Tessa comes to her and says, it was all a lie, he never touched me, I just wanted to get back at him because when you first came into school, he was paying attention to you, and he was no longer paying attention to me, and he was nice to me before you showed up, and I got detention, and I couldn't catch up in school, and blah, 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 and she's crying, and Juliet and Tessa go running out the bathroom, and lo and behold, her friend Andrea's in the bathroom at the moment, comes out tells Andrew that what Tessa just said and, and the case has to be dismissed. Then Carpenter decides to counter Sue for defamation of character and they're faced Andrew and Catherine are faced with the decision of whether or not they need to settle. Whether they want to go back to case want to go back to trial, excuse me, and go through a whole other case. Now at the courthouse, Catherine gets some sound advice from Briv, who says she just wants you, Juliet, that is, just wants you to be her mother. She just wants you to be nice to her. Why don't you take her ice skating? Why don't you do something good for her? Why don't you do something that's in Juliet's best interest and stop being such an awful, awful woman? And, and Catherine says, thank you for not being a bitch. Which is nice to see Catherine have a sensitive side and be vulnerable as well and actually be a mother. And when they're deciding whether or not to to settle or go back to trial, Catherine tells Andrew that it's not in Juliet's best interests, which it's not. And they should settle because Juliet needs to... Let's see if I wrote down what she said. Yes, she needs a new school. She needs new friends. She needs to start over. She needs to start fresh. And... Eventually, they do decide to settle and pay him the astronomical amount of money because Carpenter is never going to be able to work again in a school. His career is technically ruined. Whether or not it was true, he can't teach again. In a high school, that is. I'm sure he could teach in a college. But that's not really for me to be concerned about whether or not he's going to be a teacher. We then find out at the end of the episode that Tessa, Juliet, and Carpenter were all in it together. They're in a hotel room. They're partying. They are cheersing each other, cheersing to being millionaires. Because they are splitting the money three ways. And Juliet gets her trust fund back. And even though she's happy about getting her quote-unquote father's money back and getting her... Her trust fund back, had she just been patient and been a good girl, she would have gotten it back eventually, but she had to go the sneaky route and one-up everybody and get into this super elaborate scheme, which I'm sure there's going to be holes in eventually. It's going to come back to bite her in the ass. 
because it should, because that is an awful thing to put your family through and an awful thing to do to a friend. But it's not my place to judge. She will have a seat next to me, though, in the train to hell. Let's just say that. (laughs) Where we all will end up, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And another person who's on a quick train to hell is Siobhan. The biggest deceit-er, that's not a word, biggest liar of them all. Who's coughing? (laughs) That sure as hell is not me. Uh, Excuse me while I take a sip, because I'm getting thirsty. Siobhan and Henry are back in cahoots. We saw them last week. Siobhan shows Henry that Bridget's been living her life. And this week she tells Henry that Bridget came to her and said that she was in trouble and she needed help. And who is Siobhan to deny her sister anything? She's such a giving, loving, warm person, and she just wanted to take care of her sister, so she allowed her sister to take over her life, but it was only temporary, and she just needed some time to think about the pregnancy and this elaborate scheme that she tells him, which we as viewers all know is a huge lie, and... It's just so interesting to me that she's going, she's bending over backwards to lie to everybody just to get back at Andrew so that she could be with Henry ultimately. And she tells him that she wants to secure money for them so that they can live their lives together and not have to worry about money. She says that there's something that she found in Paris that is going to allow them to secure money because she has an ironclad prenup with Andrew, that if they get divorced, she's going to end up with nothing. So this is the only way that she can have money and live the life that she's gotten used to over the past five years, because they haven't been married for that long. And while all this is happening, Siobhan and Henry are at the hotel, and Siobhan decides to go take a shower, and Tyler gives her a little Skype call, and Henry picks it up, of course, because it won't stop ringing. And she comes out, he talks to her about Tyler, and she's like, oh, he's helping me out, and, and you just need to trust me. And then Henry leaves, and she Skypes Tyler and lets him know, oh, I, that was my brother. You have nothing to worry about. You should be more concerned that your unborn child, because as we know, she's lied to, to Tyler and told him that that's his unborn child. And... Excuse me. Where was I? I just totally lost my place. Oh. Unborn child. Yes, thank you. (laughs) And Henry Tyler is compelled, as any good man would be, to protect his baby. Or the baby that he thinks is his. And he later on calls... I'm not sure whom, but someone to come audit the firm. But not before Olivia could get to Henry. And as we know, Olivia doesn't have the best intentions, and she wants Albergast's money in Charles and Martin, and she 
blackmails Henry with a picture of him and Siobhan in bed and says, you get me Albergast's money, you get me the meeting, I'll do everything else, and I will delete the photo. So Henry goes to Albergast, Albergast goes to Charles and Martin and decides to invest a small sum, which to a, a millionaire many times over, as, we, as he's described, is probably a cool mill. Let's just say that. <laughs> the, the amount is not ever described. And while... After Tyler calls, we see Siobhan with a key to a safety deposit box, and she's with Henry, and she's super concerned that Albergast has just invested all this money into Charles and Martin, and she's like, you did a really bad thing, because he's about to lose a large amount of money, because she has evidence, recorded evidence, it seems like, to bring down Charles and Martin as a firm. And if not Charles and Martin... Just Andrew. I think that's everything in that storyline. Um, on the flip side, Bridget um, has decided to retrace her sister's steps. She goes to Solomon and she says, when was the last time you drove me? And he said, September 8th. And she's like, oh, September 8th. Um, I want to do everything that I did on that day. Take me everywhere that I went. So he decides, he starts driving her around. And the first place is an office building. She goes into the office building. And it turns out Cora Farrell, Siobhan's alias, has an office there. She goes upstairs and she finds a key under the table. She also finds an address to 1947 Main Street, which we never get to, but I'm assuming that would have been in the Hamptons, and that's the main street that they were talking about, but no, there's no other, there's no zip code, there's no nothing. And it, while she's in the office, Siobhan is in the closet watching her with a gun, which is kind of very exciting. I was hoping that there'd be like a little, I know, right? I was hoping there would be like a little fight between the two twinsies because we haven't seen them together since the first episode. Um, but I think it's coming up really, really soon. Siobhan then goes to the next place, which is a gun range. And in the gun range, she sees a picture of who we knew as Charlie slash John, she goes out to Solomon and is like, was this guy following me? Was I afraid of him? And he's like, no, that was your friend. You were meeting him here. You guys were practicing shooting. And she sort of has her world flipped around because she realizes that when she first met John, he knew that Siobhan and him were friends, but he called himself Charlie. And so she doesn't know if he was after her or if Charlie wasn't the killer and whether or not she made a big mistake. And she now thinks that someone is after Siobhan to kill her. So, after all that, she gives up for the day and goes home. And the next day, goes to a coffee and bookshop. In the coffee and bookshop, she finds... She sits at a table and thinks that the key that she found is going to open up a lock that's on the table. Lo and behold, a waitress comes up to her and says, 
do you want to make a wish? And she says, a wish. And she's like, yeah, it's sort of our tradition. You write down something that you want and stick it in the slot. And who knows, maybe it'll come true. So she breaks open the little drawer inside the table and finds what Siobhan wrote. And Siobhan wrote, I wish I could forgive my sister, but I can't. And we know from the first episode that there was something to do with a boy named Sean, whom we've never seen or heard of really since then. There was a picture of him on the desk. And she just tells herself, my sister lied to me. What else could she have been lying about? And we all know that Siobhan is the biggest liar because she's trying to retrace the steps of her sister and try and figure out what has what happened or what led her to kill herself because I still think she she doesn't know that Siobhan is still alive. And after all that, I think oh she went to the coffee shop first. I messed that up. Coffee shop first, then the gun range. Um, <laughs> it's all a big mess in my head. And I think the gun range was the last place that they went. But I don't think there's anything else that major that happened in the episode that is worth discussing. Mm, let's see. Nope. That's everything. We're going to jump to a quick commercial break and come right back to you with some news and gossip. The biggest new media platform on the web just got bigger. More bandwidth, smoother streaming, lightning, fast download. And get technical with me. After Buzz TV is making the jump to hyperspace. Join the fun at your number one source for after show entertainment. Look at the size of that thing. After Buzz TV. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to jump right into your AfterBuzz TV news and gossip. AfterBuzz TV news. It's a twofer for Sarah Michelle Gellar as she plays twin sisters in her CW drama, Ringer. One role just isn't enough for Sarah Michelle Gellar. On her freshman CW series, Ringer, she co-stars in two of them, both identical twins and both in serious trouble. But this isn't. But that isn't all for Geller, who also plays a leading off-camera role as an executive producer. Even so, the demands on her way lighter these days than her than during her Buffy the Vampire Slayer days, where she labored for seven seasons. I work shorter hours on this show, everybody does, than I did on Buffy, she says with satisfaction. Efficiency reigns on Ringer. Her actors and crew members are fellow pros who help get the job done smoothly. She's having fun. Meanwhile, she's keeping work in healthy balance... With her private life, enjoyed with her husband of 10 years, actor Freddie Prince Jr. and their two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Charlotte, as they give their roles as parents' top priority. When Charlotte was born, Freddie was on 24, and I didn't work for two years, says Geller. I had asked him, when I'm ready to go back to work, will you stay home with her then? And he was like, fine. She laughs. He loves it. I think I've created a monster. That's not to say her ringer routine, however moderated, isn't hectic. Interviewed one recent morning at her Manhattan hotel during a whirlwind publicity visit, she presents herself in sweatpants, a ringer hoodie she grabbed from her L.A. makeup trailer, quote, as I was walking out the door, and sandals borrowed from the hotel spa. She explains that in her haste to leave for New York, she neglected to pack clothes or shoes other than the ensembles chosen for her TV appearances. On Ringer, Geller plays Bridget Kelly, which we all know. Let's see. 
If we can get through some of this a little bit quicker, excuse me. Portraying two characters isn't so hard, according to Geller. It's a group effort. Hair, makeup, wardrobe, she says. Besides as identical twins, Bridget and Shaban have characteristics that are inherently very similar, so you don't have to worry. They have to be able to be confused for each other. Her biggest challenge, keeping in mind who knows what and who doesn't know what. As an executive producer, Geller knows everything, far more than her fellow cast members who operating who are operating on a need-to-know basis. She notes that seemingly that the seemingly convoluted storyline has been charted out for three full seasons. There will be no false moves or narrative blind alleys tripping up the writers as they turn out weekly scripts. I realize viewers have gotten really frustrated with the shows that set up a lot of questions but never answered them, says Geller. On Ringer, revelations come quickly, with a major reveal scheduled for the March 13th episode. Viewers will find out why Siobhan went on the lam. We would never set up a question if we didn't know the answer, Geller vows. You have to make Take my word for it. Even my husband doesn't know, but we do where it's going. Although the job is grueling, Geller's added responsibilities as producer reduce rather than increase the burden, she says. I don't have to waste time worrying about what they're doing with my character and storyline. I get to make the show I want to make, she explains, and since I'm on set most of the time, if there's a decision that has to be made while we're shooting, I can make it as opposed to calling upstairs so I can help things moving along. At age 34, Geller is a show business veteran. Discovered at age 4 in a Manhattan restaurant, she made dozens of commercials as a youngster. She spent a couple of memorable years in the daytime drama All My Children, playing Susan Lucci's 15-year-old daughter, whose multiple marriages, seductions, attempted suicide, and coma all helped Geller score a 1995 Daytime Emmy Award. Mm. Give me one second here. Quote, but... Mm, I don't want to read that. (laughs) Give me a second, you guys. I think what happens is if you give an inch, then you kind of owe people a mile. For instance, you can't do a reality show and then claim the right to privacy. It doesn't work that way. So don't look for a show like Geller Family Values or Freddie Loves Sarah Michelle on future TV schedules. Geller chortles at the idea I would have to be on the Fish Channel. You know that channel where they show fish swimming in an aquarium or the Yule Log Channel? She simulates a scrap of sample dialogue. Are you picking up Charlotte from school today? No, you're picking her up. Can you go by the Whole Foods. Geller clearly pleased to be sticking with Ringer laughs again at going the reality route. That would be the most boring reality show. It's good to see that she still has a level head on her after all these years of being on TV and her numerous awards and she still has her values intact. Good for you, Miss Geller. In other news, Zoe Deutsch could have cashed in before Ringer. Zoe Deutsch was set to cash in big before she hit ringer jackpot. The former Disney star was paid $25,000 for an ABC pilot that never got picked up. It was called Hallelujah, and it was shelved after 17 days of shooting. But Deutsch would have made an additional $25,000 per episode if the show was picked up. She's not sweating, though. She's doing just fine on Sarah Michelle Gellar's Ringer. And that's your AfterBuzz TV news and gossip for the week of February 14, 2012. And on that note, we're going to jump right into predictions. And now, your AfterBuzz TV predictions. Now, I'm not so sure that I have a lot of predictions as to where the show is going next week. 
we did see in the preview that it looks like somebody gets hurt. One of the twins is in an arm brace, and there is a slap between Bridget and Siobhan. Who's slapping whom? I don't know at this point, but it sort of looks like Siobhan is slapping Bridget. But it could be Bridget slapping Siobhan. I hope it's Bridget slapping Siobhan. Um, They're also at a... cemetery. So maybe somebody dies. Can't be Gemma's burial, because that was too long ago. It does look like Bridget makes it to... I think we're meeting Sean next week for the first time. That is what I'm going to predict. Aside from the twins beating the crap out of each other, Sean is coming into play. The baby from before. Yeah, that's it. That's what's happening. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll take my down. Um, but I think that's everything. I don't. I haven't missed anything. If I did, tweet me at you can call me Skiff, and I'll try to respond to you in a timely fashion. If not, bring it up next week. But from everyone here at the AfterBuzz TV family, we thank you for tuning in and listening. Until next week, happy Valentine's Day. From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal. Scandals borrowed from the hotel.